0: I'll uh, send over a, a photo afterwards, because I've got the Doom 64 cartridge here with me.
1: Ah! <laughs> cartridge. The originals. Uh,
0: and that. Uh, but uh, I did try to play it on the 64, but uh, <laughs> I, I soon changed my mind. Though we, we, I can discuss that when we start recording.
1: Hello and welcome to Gaming Under Fire, the podcast made by and for fans, of video game shooters i'm your host Tazman, and joining me once again the mutilator of the mother demon canucklehead canuck how you doing not too bad taz happy new year happy new year indeed recording well past the new year but this is the first time canuck and i have actually been able to talk since the calendar flipped over how was uh how was your holidays Knuck?
0: it was it wasn't too bad i had a Couple of weeks off, so time with the family. Couple other personal things going on, and of course, uh, even here in Canada, we're still dealing with COVID, and uh, the province of Ontario is still under lockdown.
1: Well, nothing better to cure lockdown blues than playing some uh, retro video games, huh?
0: Oh, exactly. So, oh, I wouldn't say I went too retro, though. I mean, I did play quite a bit of Siege, but uh, and Doom uh, Eternal as well. So I had to uh, get those uh, Christmas skins. But uh, now, uh, of course, I did dip back in. And, uh, of course, we had to go retro with uh,
1: this week's episode. Right on. So the portal to our Doom 2 podcast has closed, but it's still available to listen to via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So be sure to go and check that out if you haven't already. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and also haven't uh, followed our show on Twitter at Gaming Under Fire, do so, and you can get all sorts of video game shooter goodness. Knuck, what did you think of the Doom 2 uh, discussion episode?
0: I, I enjoyed it. Uh,
1: like I said, the, the
0: original Doom and, and Doom 2 are, are very dear to my heart, so it's nice taking
1: that trip down memory lane. So this week, we're going to gear back up to return to Phobos and hell with Doom 64. So let's get that started right now. Doom 64 has been designed exclusively for the Nintendo 64, incorporating, A new storyline that builds on existing Doom releases. Ultra-smooth gameplay with precision control and performance. Stunning 3D graphics. CD quality music and sound effects. Radically redesigned creatures. New and enhanced weapons and secrets. Over 30 larger and more challenging levels than any previous gaming system could handle. All blended seamlessly to make Doom 64 the most incredible
0: Doom ever. Doom sixty-four from midway.
1: Obligatory cultural throwback to the year nineteen ninety-seven. What is going on in the world in nineteen ninety-seven? Canuck, I think I am a sophomore in high school at this point.
0: Yeah, at this point, uh, I'm in university. So uh, at the beginning, I was in first year uh, university, uh, studying electrical engineering, and then obviously se- second year uh, towards the for the fall semester. But uh, D- dizzy then twenty turned twenty years old that year, so uh, cut, odometer flipped over in a way for that going to to uh, a two. It, it was a it was a good year so i, I really enjoyed myself of course uh, uh i mean there, there were a lot of good things i mean we had the uh, star wars 20th anniversary special editions but uh of course looking back at it now I, I don't think they were that special
1: <laughs> <laughs> well we had a lot of uh alien related stuff happening in 1997 you had the uh the heaven's gate mass suicide happened in san diego that's uh, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult led by Marshall Applewhite hoping to catch a ride on what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following the passing Hale-Bopp comet. Drink the Kool-Aid cuz uh that that was the one I remember seeing pictures and they all had like specific Nike sneakers on and just it's crazy like just cults in general. Uh but uh, a big a big news event that happened in 1997.
0: I think it would be overshadowed. I'm not too sure about the Americans, but at least in Canada, with the death of Princess Diana at the end of August. Yeah, that would
1: that would uh, basically be the uh, the entire news cycle for the rest of 1997. Was Princess Di uh, getting into a car accident, getting killed while she was being chased by paparazzi, which I believe changed a ton of uh, rules and regulations. For that industry, after after that, uh, as a result of of that accident,
0: Uh, yeah, it it definitely did. So it was it it was a shock. I mean, I still remember where I was. Uh, I mean, obviously by that point, like I said, I'm 20, so uh, memory tends to be a little bit uh, stronger then. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a shock, Uh, especially. I mean, obviously with Canada being uh, still having close ties to the United Kingdom compared to our American brothers.
1: Yeah, I've never, as an American, I've never really understood the infatuation with the royal family. Like even to this day, uh, it's something I'm not particularly interested in. I think it's just, uh, if I were to guess, I would say it's Americans' obsession with celebrity, and so they they kind of fill a celebrity role, and I think that's why they get a lot of it. I know with Canada, there's there's still ties and connections to, uh, to the the government, and you guys still at least. If, if i remember correctly when i was in michigan you guys still had the queen on some of your money
0: we, we still do i i mean i i'm well technically still a member of the canadian forces uh with the uh cadet program as a, a which would be res- for for me i'd be technically reserves but uh, e- even then i had to do the oath when i became a, an officer and, and uh have my my commissioning school reminding you it's not signed by the Queen herself, but uh, representatives. Uh, but it's still uh, a loyalty. Uh, and she's still, in a sense, the, the commander in chief, to, to use an American term, of the Canadian military. And and uh, even with politics, the uh, Governor General is the Queen's representative.
1: Sports in 1997, Super Bowl champs, had Any idea? Super Bowl champs, nineteen ninety
0: seven. Oh, I know, I know it was. Uh, it was uh, Green Bay Packers over New England Patriots, thirty five to fourteen.
1: Green Bay Packers <laughs> led sorry, by
0: thirty five to twenty one. Sorry,
1: <laughs> the Green Bay Packers led by Brett. Check out my Dick Favre or Favre, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, NBA champions. Any guesses there? Uh, I cannot recall. I'm not too big into the NBA, so uh, winning their sixth championship in the decade chicago bulls or ex- excuse me that was the fifth of six championships they would win in the 90s yeah that yeah. will be my guess so oh jordan pippen rodman like they had all-star teams throughout the 90s yeah.
0: well i haven't even seen space jam and i love looney tunes so that gives you uh, my uh, view
1: on the nba moving on how about world series champs i i'll i I will be impressed if you guess this one.
0: I would have no idea because obviously, like I said, I was in university at this point, so I'd be more studying for midterms than watching baseball
1: at that point. The Florida Marlins. Oh, cripes. I, I wouldn't even guess that. <laughs> I probably could have given you Florida, and you probably still wouldn't have figured it out. Uh, <laughs> and then the Stanley Cup champs, your favorite team and mine. <laughs> the detroit red wings win their first in 42 years
0: and they won the following year too I,
1: yep they, they would uh, win 98 well, 2002 and 2008 and it'll be another 40 years i think before we get back there top of the charts for music u.s march 1997 it's the british invasion it'd be one of the spice girls ah yeah it's the spice girls
0: i tell you what i want what i really really want.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, me. We, we, we were watching. Well, I'm a huge music geek, geek so I usually had uh, much music, the equivalent cool of uh, MTV up here in Canada, on quite regularly. So, but uh, uh, the uh, boys, we would obviously uh, joke about the, the Spice Girls just to get on some of their girl's skin uh, on our uh, floor.
1: Yeah, but you had a favorite, didn't you?
0: Yeah, Ginger.
1: Ah, me too. Yep. I felt like too many people were into baby spice and then other the other too many people were into david beckham spice and so i i stuck with ginger who had a great playboy cover too by the way
0: yeah yeah although uh, talent wise i would say sporty was definitely the most talented
1: top in the uk what do you think it's definitely not spice girls uh, i'd
0: probably in march i'm not too sh- Sure. Uh actually end of March would probably be U two with uh Disco Tech and, and Pop being released at that point. Ooh. But uh for overall for the year it would be the Elton John single for um uh the Lady Die uh, tribute. Yeah,
1: yeah, that would win that would win overall with uh with Candle in the Wind. But for March of ninety seven in the UK you've got Don't think Also known as Gwen Stefani and a bunch of guys she was in a band with.
0: Yeah.
1: Movies! In 1997, you brought up uh, the Star Wars uh, 20th Anniversary editions. So you've got Return, oh, hey, yeah. Return of the Jedi Special Editions number one, which would be followed by a very underrated Jim Carrey movie. Liar, Liar. Liar, Liar indeed. Very good. And I feel like you've been doing your research now for these podcasts. No, I just remember, so... But you got uh you got some pretty good movies this year. Like uh, liar liar I I love that movie. Nobody ever brings it up as as a as a good Jim Carrey movie and it really is. But you also had so you had December yeah. you had Titanic which was a monster movie. Uh, I still want my 3 hours back. I thought it was kind of cool how they made the sinking in real time in the movie. Uh that was that was yeah. kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. I remember the following year when it came out on VHS and Walmart had had all the TVs I see the boat sinking and I'm there shopping with my sister. I, I came home uh to, to visit and we're in the store and the boat sinking and, and I've just a whole bunch of people are just watching and I just blurred up, my this room's the end of the movie for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, because nobody knew what was gonna happen.
0: Oh yeah, I got I got quite a few good looks and my, my sister's trying not to laugh so hard.
1: You had Jerry Maguire. Show me the money! Men in Black. Men in Black, that was a good one. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost yes. World. Not is the first one, mm. but still
0: better than some of the ones that followed, in my opinion. I know what you did last summer. I didn't think much of it, but it was a good date movie.
1: Great date movie. Not Sarah Jessica Parker. Why am I, why am I blanking? I mean, Gen- or no, uh, no, Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I was one of those three name chicks. Sarah Michelle yeah. Gellar was my other favorite in the 90s. But yeah, no, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, how about this one for a cult classic, The Fifth Element?
0: Yeah, that, that's a good one. Multipass.
1: Mila Jovovich in her Molina Mortal Kombat 9 skin. wearing very, very little. And I think this is, pre, uh, this is pre-Resident Evil movies, too.
0: Yes, it would be. So this was her breakthrough row in uh, North America, I believe, as well.
1: 1987 Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? Which, at the time, not that great, but I think that's kind of one of those ones that, that grew a following afterwards in uh, VHS and DVD.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although, uh, if you've read the book, you can understand why there was such a huge backlash in the movie.
1: And, of course, we can't mention movies in 1997 without mentioning a video game movie. The piece de resistance, the masterpiece that is Mortal Kombat. yeah now that's what i'm talking about annihilation and it is glorious yeah Uh, i have no comment on this ah wow like you know how sometimes there are movies that are so bad they come back around to being good like they kind of do a 180 like this movie is so bad it goes from bad to good all the way back to bad again like it does a complete 360 That movie is awful and it's unfortunate because the first one was so good. You're alive.
0: Too bad you will die. I I more just remembered them for the soundtracks, to be honest.
1: So, Doob 64 would be released on March 31st, 1997. Developed by Midway Games San Diego in cooperation with id Software for the Nintendo 64 game console. Now, we got to go back into ports of id Software's games. Uh, Id Software actually attempted to do ports of their own. They were actually approached in 1993 by a Japanese publisher willing to pay them $100,000 in advance to port Wolfenstein 3D to the Super Nintendo. Now at this time, id Software is already well underway working on Doom. However, they went ahead, they cashed that check, and then completely forgot about the project. Fast forward eight months, no progress has been made on the port, and with the publisher asking about their game, id Software decided to send the project out of house, hiring a programmer more familiar with the Super Nintendo than they were. After hiring the programmer, never heard from him again. So eventually Id had to stop all work on Doom, learn how to program a Super Nintendo, and finish the port, and they did it all in three weeks. Outside of the Atari Jaguar port of Doom, which was a passion project for John Carmack and the console's 64-bit hardware, Id decided if anyone wanted to port an Id software game, they were free to do so on their own so long as id got to keep an eye on the project to ensure an acceptable level of quality. Kind of, uh, this kind of falls in with id software's real mismanagement issues, especially uh, during the boom time for them. Cashing a $100,000 check and then completely forgetting about a project you were paid for, that's classic, just id software at the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, but I mean, they their star just burned real bright, real fast, and, and uh, I mean, everyone wanted a piece of them, I mean, but at, at the same time, I mean, they they had their own focuses as well, I mean, Doom, Doom 2, and then the follow-up, I mean, remember, just a year before this came out, Quake was released, yep. and uh, they, they were heavily involved with that too, so... It's it's no wonder that, yeah, you want to make a game for a console? Sure. Here's the tools. here's the Here's what you need. Go nuts.
1: It also ran into a lot of problems with Nintendo. The technical side of porting Wolfenstein was really the minor hurdle. The major hurdle had more to do with Nintendo's family-friendly policies. So that resulted in the replacing of the German Shepherds with giant rats blood with sweat or spit, and really just a vast many other issues with Nintendo's sensitivities. The result of the experience led to a policy for id Software to not do any more games for Nintendo while these policies were in place. Something they felt so strongly about that id's head of business, Jay Wilbur, actually told Nintendo of America president, uh, or excuse me, head of Nintendo America's council, howard lincoln he told him that personally to his face and not the first time somebody's had issues with nintendo's family friendly policies uh as we are talking about midway and mortal Kombat, they ran into many of the same problems with the super nintendo version of their games
0: yeah and at the time you look at someone like myself obviously i grew up with atari and nintendo i mean mind you i didn't have them i had friends who had them but by this point I'm becoming an adult. I've got my own source of income, mind you. It was mostly to pay for for university and schooling, but and even afterwards. I, I mean, the, this period from I'd say from 1995 to 2000. So really, the generation with PlayStation and the N64, it was transitioning. Where was like the kids who played were now adults, and it was starting to go okay. Like, we don't need kid-friendly games. I mean, mind you, obviously, there's still a huge appetite for, I mean, Nintendo announces a new Mario or Zelda game or something like that, and everyone goes nuts. Uh, I mean, there's something you said about nostalgia, but I mean, like, it's not enough to maintain interest. And so, I mean, we're looking at, okay, we're not watching Disney movies. We're going out watching horror movies, action flicks. So
1: the industry had to sort of play a bit of catch-up as well. And I think a lot of the regulators for a lot of those industries needed to be convinced that it's not just a child's pastime anymore, that the children who started playing these games you 10, 20 years ago were now adults and seeking more mature content for their gaming and not just something where you're jumping and stepping on Goombas anymore.
0: Yeah, but also... They're a major change I've uh, touched on it, compared to when the Wolfenstein and Doom reported. I mean, now ERSB in, in North America, it's very much established now. It's a self-regulating to to keep the government out of it and, and and definitely now we know, okay, these are the rules. I mean like we're not're we're, the training wheels are off. <laughs>
1: We also had problems with ports of id games to consoles. A lot of console ports for Doom were either very hit or miss, with Sega 32X and the Super Nintendo versions of Doom being very choppy, having poor visuals, and missing large numbers of levels and enemies. The Sega system didn't even have the Cyber Demon or the Spider Mastermind in their ports for Doom. Blasphemy. <laughs> yeah well exactly no you're you're 100 right like how can you have a doom game without at least one of those two uh or a port to replicate that experience and you just can't do it so the consoles were coming up very short and the power required to reproduce uh an acceptable doom experience so enter midway their playstation the original playstation port of doom headed by programmer aaron sealer is considered one of the best console ports of the Doom franchise. A project that only took place as a result of a meeting between Williams Entertainment Inc, which is a division of Midway that would be renamed Midway Home Entertainment later on, and id Software in 1993 on a proposed game for the upcoming Ultra 64 console, uh, which would become the Nintendo 64. History of Midway. Midway Manufacturing was founded in 1958 as an amusement game manufacturer. So for carnivals, uh, stuff like that, those games that are along a Carnival Midway, that's what Midway was manufacturing. In 1973, they moved into the interactive entertainment industry, focusing on publishing arcade and video games. Their biggest strategy was to purchase the distribution rights in America for Japanese-based games their first big hit being the distribution of Space Invaders in the U.S. In 1988, Midway Manufacturing was purchased by WMS Industries, Inc., and looking to emerge as a player in console games, and in 1996 would become Midway Home Entertainment. While Nintendo was generating a lot of hype for its Ultra 64 console, they hadn't offered many concrete details on what the hardware would be. Without key information about the hardware and specs, Midway suggested that the Doom ports to the PlayStation as an alternative project. This would help them prepare the tools and tech they would need for the 64 game and would increase the reach of Doom to players on a relatively new console. So, the genesis of this partnership starting out with approaching them for the Ultra 64 for a spin off standalone title. Uh, which would then turn into probably the best port of Doom on on a console with the original PlayStation. Yeah,
0: and uh, uh, I mean I don't remember playing the the, the PS uh, one or PSX, depending on how old you are, of uh, of, of Doom. Uh, I remember playing the Super Nintendo version, the uh, Sega 32 version, like usually in like the mall or something where they had like a kiosk and happen to be playing it it play. And it's like, okay, this is all right. But you know what? It wasn't the same as the PC. So, I mean, they, it was dismissed by me. And yeah. The console ports, they do have their fans. I mean, even now with the 2019 re-releases of doom and doom two, there's people asking, Oh, what about the console versions? Cause there's different soundtrack or, there are a couple of unique levels or modifications to existing levels so yeah, there, there are fans but
1: uh i mean my my thought is original is best uh, always <laughs> book is best over a movie all right when it came time to actually work and develop doom 64 it was uh, as a result of two stipulations the first stipulation actually came from id Software stating Doom had to be in the title as that was the brand and the thing that would be most recognizable seems uh, pretty no duh type of stipulation, but they could also not call it Doom 3 as that uh, Doom 3 would be reserved for id if, and when, they decided to return to the franchise. Since this would be a unique experience... Nintendo's stipulation is that they would not allow Midway to simply call it Doom uh, as a form of consumer protection so as not to confuse players who would be thinking they were buying a port of the 1993 PC game. Doom 64 was truly the only thing marketing could get all the IP holders to agree on and not completely you know, out of line with other Nintendo 64 releases as most games on Nintendo would just add whatever console it was to their game. You know, a Punch-Out! turned into Super Punch-Out! You've got Doom, you got Doom 64 for the console. It was kind of how uh, Nintendo games were developed, how you kind of were able to get that identity for each game. Don't forget the biggest game, Mario 64. The story for Doom 64. Doom 64 is set after the events of Final Doom. Doomguy is on Earth, struggling to cope with his experiences in the events of the previous games suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course, they don't call it that. They just say he's suffering from nightmares. Uh, Fast forward to 2020, we know what that means. The Earth governments have enacted a quarantine zone of all UAC facilities by bombarding them with radiation so that no human or demon could survive. Suddenly, a satellite relay sends a haunting message to Earth from the Mars moon of Phobos. Phobos, by the way, is the Latin term for the pers- or Greek term for the personification of fear. Uh, kind of makes sense with the setting of the game. The classified military episodes, codenamed Doom, are reopened. A single entity with rejuvenation abilities, masked by extreme radiation levels, had escaped detection. This new enemy, in its crippled state, has reanimated the corpses of the demons of Phobos. As the only experienced survivor of the Doom campaign, Doomguy's commission is reactivated with the assignment of merciless extermination. The Doom Doomguy returns to Phobos to fight his way through the installation and back through a portal into hell, ripping and tearing his way to the big new baddie boss, the mother of demons. Canuck, holy shit, story, continuity. Could you imagine it? in a Doom game. It actually follows events, mentions events from the previous games. We get our first in-game explanation for the title Doom. So uh, a lot of cool things here in <laughs> in a game not developed by Midway. Yeah, I mean, too bad it's only in what
0: games used to come with called a manual.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. If If you don't read the manual, you have no idea about any of this. Or you know today, as I did, you have to go to the Doom Wiki and you can can read it there. But um, yeah, within within the the manual of the game, you kind of get the backstory of what's going on. Um, just very cool that that they mention you know the previous games that you know what the character is going through as a result of going through those experiences, and also you know like I said, uh, an in-game explanation for why the games are called doom
0: yeah uh, i mean it's, it's definitely a nice nice touch uh, and um but like, like i said it, not not everyone who played the pc versions would would play this i mean this came out very shortly after the north american launch of the nintendo 64 and, and even then i consoles versus pc the games weren't on the same level. I mean, like, yeah, everyone still continues on with PC Master Race in, in present day. But uh, I mean, you can get the play to games and get very similar experience, whether it's console or PC. I mean, technical stuff aside, but uh, you go back in the 90s. I mean, it was quite different. So th- this game was originally very much overlooked.
1: Yeah, and and not much more story outside of what you get in the manual. I think after the uh, Phobos missions, the tech-based missions, you get a, a screen, a, a text-based screen, kind of letting you know that now you're entering the the missions that are that are in hell. Um, and then you also get some text-based screens for the secret levels. But other than that, that's that's pretty much all you get until you get to the end. Um, all in all, not bad. I I really appreciated. Uh, the acknowledgement of the previous games in there Uh, i've been i've from the first two podcasts i've been struggling for some sort of continuity between the games so that was just really cool to see uh moving on to gameplay of this uh of this game i mean the core doom gameplay it's still the same you're exploring demon infested corridors you're looking for key cards you're looking for skull keys you're looking for switches you're looking for the exit you're trying to survive traps and ambushes you've got five difficulty settings on this one four that are in the game and then the fifth one you have to unlock by doing a secret level so you've got be gentle bring it on i own doom and watch me die and then hardcore being the the unlockable you have updated visuals for enemies items weapons and projectiles created from high poly rendered models so A nice new coat of paint over everything Doom for Doom 64. The maps in the atmosphere is more horror sci-fi than... or excuse me. It's more horror sci-fi with action setting unlike the previous, which was more of an action in a horror sci-fi atmosphere. Uh, You got new textures, scrolling skies, atmospheric colored lighting effects, parallaxing skies, fog, lightning and uses of scripted macros to alter the room, or in some cases, entire levels. You have new high-quality sound effects, more of an ambient soundtrack, in place of the rock music of past games. Uh, Midway did not use any sound effects or music from Bobby Prince. They were avoiding paying out royalties. Bobby Prince has an agreement with all the games that he does That he gets a cut of royalties for any game or port that utilizes his sound effects and or music. So Midway said, hey, we have a guy. His name is Aubrey Hodges. He's going to do all of our sound effects for us. He's going to create the soundtrack and we'll just pay him instead of paying out royalties. Uh, Very important to know since uh, the people that did uh, Duke Nukem 3D re-release, they didn't know about that and uh, actually recently had to settle out of court with bobby prince on uh, paying him out so avoiding not only avoiding paying out royalties but coming up with much better sound effects in my opinion as far as especially with some of the weapons in the game but uh, canuck any anything anything on uh comments on gameplay for doom 64
0: uh well i mean i mean like you said with the uh, the enemies i mean the this was the first time the enemies were actually in 3d i mean beforehand previous games there are sprites same thing with, well, but more with the weapons, and they did modify a couple of them. I mean, the double chainsaw is probably the best example. Um, the other thing that I, I noticed when when playing is in Doom and Doom Two, it was flat. I mean, there's different elevations, but now there were parts of the level that you would actually cross underneath so uh there were a couple of bridges or or paths where you would cross underneath the, the floor uh, they were small nothing too significant but uh, i mean this is the first time doom actually was actually in 3d and not the 2.5d that the previous games are, are known for
1: and uh probably my favorite addition is the scripted macros you can you could change just small areas. Uh, one of the first ones is these big hammers that pound the ground and create a, a subterranean like entrance way to help you kind of continue through the level. Uh, there are some scripted macros that completely change the level. You, you go through a portal, you flip a switch, you come back out the portal and the level is completely different. Um, so just some, some different ways of changing the interaction with the environment. And kind of changing up a level as you're going through it, it, it made those actions of finding switches so much more. They, they had a lot more to them than just opening a door or releasing a trap. Now, now that it's it's changing your environment around you as well. So one of my favorite things about this game is just seeing how the levels are affected as you progress and and flip different switches. Yeah. Oh, uh, we talked a little bit about weapons uh did you have anything else or
0: it's definitely um quite nicely done uh, and um, it makes me wonder with some of the stuff that they that they've brought in how much of this engine that was brought over for doom sixty four was based off of doom or an early version of the Quake engine.
1: Uh so when I looked it up, it did say it is id Tech one for the Nintendo sixty four version, and then with the re release for uh, Doom Eternal and on Steam, uh, Night Dive Studios utilized the Hex uh, engine. Yeah,
0: so I mean, if they're saying id Tech one, I mean, it, it's very much a gray area if it's actually the the original Doom or quake I, i've heard both referred to as it is it tech one it seems to flip uh, depending on what year it is
1: uh talking about weapons uh you, you kind of you're you already talked about it but we definitely have all of the doom 2 weapons returning uh my favorite my I, i've got a, a 1a 1b favorite uh redone weapon in this game and the first one being that double-bladed chainsaw <laughs> i absolutely love utilizing that i get giddy when i see a room full of pinky demons or specters because i know i can whip out that double-bladed chainsaw and go to town it's a lot of fun to use and obviously being a double-bladed chainsaw you're not chopping down trees for that that weapon was purposely made to combat demons
0: yeah it was uh it was definitely nice uh as soon as I picked it up, it was like, "Oh, I've got to try this!" And I mean, it's a chainsaw, but it just something about it—it it has a charm to it. I, like I said, I think for for the weapons, everyone comments, "Double chainsaw," not the yeah. not the laser, or the Unmaker now now that's called and 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 Doom Eternal, but
1: uh, the double
0: chainsaw is definitely yeah, the, the star of the show.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and a little thing. Too, about that double-bladed chainsaw like I, I just talked about you know you got a two-bladed chainsaw that's for ripping and tearing through demons it has the UAC logo on it we've not talked a lot about the Union Aerospace Corporation in this game and in this franchise yet as far as the it, it's UAC has basically been a setting for these last few games you know you got your tech bases you know the reason that you're there they're messing around with this alien technology that opens a portal to hell and all these demons come through but you start to see in this game and definitely when when we move on to Doom 3 later on that the UAC isn't just they're they're not just negligent here um now you're starting to see the UAC as willfully doing this on purpose and you can tell that because now they're developing weapons specifically to combat demons. I mean, we talked about Final Doom, those take place on I believe it's Saturn, there's a moon of Saturn and a moon of Jupiter because they were like, yeah, they want to shut down our facilities. Now we're going to keep, we're going to keep working on this technology. I think you're now starting to see the UAC kind of starting to take on some of those characteristics of the company that they were inspired by that Wayland yutani corporation from the alien franchise as far as you know they're they're doing this they're doing this purposely uh they they have an end goal in mind and they don't particularly care about you know the results it's kind of the ends justify the means so there's just kind of that little hint in that of not only this weapon but later on in one of the secret levels, you mentioned the Unmaker, the only new weapon in this game. There's a way you can get that a lot earlier, and it's in a UAC storage facility, so there's, there's some intent going on in here. Uh, that comes more into play in, in future games, but that, that seed is kind of planted here, that, that they're not just a setting anymore. They're an active participant in what is going on. Yeah, You are super shoddy still? Unfortunately, minus the reload animation from Doom 2, space saver, so they decided to uh, take that out. The chain gun, this is my 1B, as far as favorite weapons in this game. It looks meaner. It's got some flames coming out the the barrel when you're firing. The sound it has a much heavier, a much more satisfying sound to it when you use it. It's it's for me, I find it to be far more satisfying to use over the Doom and Doom 2 version of the gun. Yeah,
0: I, I'd agree with you on that. I mean, though, I, I mean, throughout most of the game, I tended to rely on the the super shoddy. I mean, I guess old habits die hard, but. <laughs> Yeah, the, the chain got, gun definitely got uh, a bit of a buff for, for this game.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's not very useful against some of the larger enemies, but uh, against your your zombie men, against your imps, and against the uh, lost souls, which we'll talk about later on here, the enemy section uh, far more effective uh, than it has been in previous games you've got the plasma gun it's an updated visual, looks far more high tech, futuristic than the previous variants kind of that blue electric line down the middle and a lot of electronic buzz and stuff to it. The projectiles are also much larger than they are in the previous games. Um, still fairly effective if you need it. still have the rocket launcher. You still have the BFG. Am I missing anything else in there? No. Other than uh, the, the Unmaker?
0: Yeah, the only con I have about with the BFG, it just seemed like in this version... It... Like I said the chain gun got a buff but the BFG it seemed like it got quite a bit of a, a nerf I mean like
1: quite In, the nerf the yeah original
0: Doom games you would hit the wall and it would still give a lot of damage to yep. the enemies that were on screen now it seemed like it was only effective if you had a direct shot there was no um residual damage on, on uh on other enemies
1: on the screen i i find myself not really utilizing it at all and even on the hardest difficulty like i'm playing doing a playthrough right now and watch me die i don't remember an instance where i'm like man i need to get the bfg out to clear out this room Yeah, uh, it's it's either oh, it's a plasma gun it's the it's i I use rockets a lot more in this game than i have in any of the others the rocket launcher seems to do a fairly effective job and then the unmaker in sticky situations with cyber demons uh, especially a fully upgraded Unmaker that can go through those guys really fast. It's almost like the, the BFG is is a complete afterthought at this point. That uh, That Unmaker is the only new one. It is a laser gun straight from hell, and unlike the other weapons can be upgraded through the course of the game, as I mentioned, by obtaining the three ancient artifacts or demon keys. Uh, the weapon is mentioned in the Doom Bible all the way back before uh, Doom. the first Doom was made and was intended to be in the computer games but never appeared. Uh, this uh, is the weapon's first official appearance in the game. It would come back later on in Doom, Doom Eternal. Moving on to enemies. Due to the limited storage capacity of the Nintendo 64 since they were still using cartridges... A number of familiar enemies are not included in Doom 64. Rest in peace, commandos, arch vials, spider demons, and revenants. Bollocks! So Midway did their Mortal Kombat ninja trick. Basically, pallet swapped demons to increase the number of enemies. And you have also some returning enemies that don't have much to say. They're just kind of upgraded visuals. So like the Mancubus and the Cyber Demon kind of still maintain... Uh, their same look and attacks, but just uh, a, got a, a fresh coat of paint on them, is, is pretty much their only uh, their only uh, uh, additional for this game. You got the zombie men and the shotgun guy. I can't tell the difference between either of them. Apparently, zombie men have green pants. Shotgun guys have gray pants. They look completely identical to me. They both carry shotguns one drops bullets one drops shotgun shells basically i don't know which one i killed until i find out what kind of ammo i'm getting
0: yeah i agree with you on that one
1: uh, like even after i knew that if one has they, they have different color pants like even as i'm looking i'm like is that gray or green i don't know i'll just kill you and whatever you drop then i'll know afterwards that that's what i killed i it's a way to get two two enemies for the price of one i guess You've got the Imp and the Nightmare Imp. The Nightmare Imp is the same, except it's blue, translucent, a little bit faster, and its purple fireball projectile is also faster than its brown Imp cousin. The Imp's look... uh, I I, uh, I prefer the PC look to them over this one, to be honest. Yeah, that's my thoughts
0: as well. I, I was not impressed by them.
1: You've got your pinky demons and specters, nothing really new of note. As I said earlier, love seeing groups of pinky demons or specters so I can whip out the, the double-bladed chainsaw and laugh maniacally as I, as I cut them down to size. Uh, you've got the Hell Knights and the Barons of Hell, and these are kind of your, your big baddies throughout the game. They're, they are, are out uh, and about quite a bit the really only noticeable thing with these two, uh, is that you can actually get them to infight in doom 64. Unlike the PC versions, there was actually code in the PC games that would not allow them to infight each other. Uh, and so doom 64, if you pull your, your tricks to get demons to infight, you can actually get them to try to take each other out, which is very helpful, but hell Knights are, uh, and they're really not, uh, and they're not that difficult. Uh, three shot, three super shotgun shots to a, a, a hell knight, and they go down to Chinatown. Yeah, or five for the Baron of Hell. The Cacodemon Elemental, at least that's what I call it. I thought it was the Pain Elemental. Uh, it looks just like the Pain Elemental from Doom Two, except when it opens its mouth, it still spits fireball at you instead of lost souls. And the first time I came in contact with one of these, I was like, oh. That's the pain elemental. They took away his ability to spawn lost souls. A oh, happy day. No, I had to be a little bit more patient before I celebrated.
0: <laughs> I actually think it was a sign of things to come because it more was in line with what the Kako demon will be in Doom Three than the, the predecessors.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So gone is gone is the floating meatball uh, as it uh, has kind of taken over the body. Of the pain elementals, but the pain elementals are still in the game, uh, and they look really badass. I really like what they did with the pain elementals. They're now kind of purple with a with a green eye. It has two mouths, and each mouth, so it's got one on each side, spawns a lost soul. In, in the previous game in Doom Two, you could actually prevent lost souls being spawned by being super up close. The pain elemental that's gone. Now, if you're super close to a Pain Elemental and it spawns one of those Lost Souls, they'll explode on impact, but it's like standing next to uh, an exploding barrel, so it will cause quite a bit of damage. Pain Elementals are great for infighting because they will launch Lost Souls at other demons and can help you uh, clear a room, but uh, Pain Elementals, just like in Doom 2, your priority is getting them off the map as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't too impressed I, I think maybe it's because i've got 25 years of history with this game and it's just so much of a radical change compared to say the other enemies in this game that it just i don't know there, there's just something about it, and it just didn't click with me
1: i i i see where you're coming from but i think maybe that's why i like them so much because they are so different than everything else the double the double mouth to spawn a lost soul to me i i thought that was a really cool take it was something that was a little different um you know but yeah i i can also see where it's they're they're kind of so far out of the realm of of everything else that they almost kind of feel misplaced uh lost souls uh yeah they're back and these lost souls are like the lost souls from the other two games but this time they're on meth (laughs) These things are tenacious. They will stay on you. They will create a lot of damage. Like in previous games, you could kind of back away from them and you'd have to wait for them to charge again. These ones actually will stay with you as you're moving away. So getting rid of them very quickly is very much needed. The chain gun works very, very well with these guys. I could not believe just how much more aggressive. Lost Souls have always been a pain. In the first two Doom games, Lost Souls are a pain in the butt. They are even worse in this game. Yeah, they made them super aggressive.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think they, they removed the charge time or f- forgot about it. It definitely took me uh, a couple of uh, encounters to readjust my strategy for the Lost Soul.
1: Got the Arachnitrons. They're now a little bit more arachnid as they now have six legs instead of four. Uh, they have a weaker double-barreled plasma gun that fires in five-round bursts instead of one plasma gun continuously firing at you Not much more to say about the arachnetrons I actually find them far easier in this game to deal with than in previous games Which is a bit of a letdown um, as as enemies Become more numerous you kind of want them to become a little bit more difficult uh, I think that that increases the fun factor of dealing with with newer enemies uh but it is fun to watch them in fight uh I can't remember exactly which level uh in hell it is i think it's dark citadel or maybe it's something else but they they'll you get them to in fight with there's two arachnetrons and two hell knights and getting those two to in fight is a lot of fun to watch not as much fun as the spider demon versus the uh the the or excuse me the spider mastermind versus the cyber demon from doom two but pretty close it's it's a nice it's a nice little uh, a tag team match leading up to the, a main event. The uh, Aragnatron's pretty much just, uh, just the same with some updated visuals. The only other thing for enemies that I'll mention, something that I didn't particularly like, I, I love levels where there are demon ambushes, and that's for any of the Doom games. Uh, those tend to be some of my favorite levels. In Doom 64, Crossing Tripwire's flipping switches, triggering booby traps. It doesn't necessarily open a door and have demons uh, come at you. Sometimes they'll spawn out of thin air right in front of you and start attacking right away. I wasn't and still am not, even after almost 40-some hours playing the game that I've been playing it now for this this podcast, not a fan of the the spawning out of thin air demons
0: yeah the the gameplay while well, well similar it's definitely uh different uh, at the same time i mean it's just almost like you've stepped through the looking glass
1: also doom 64 uh not necessarily in the enemy category but as far as if we're talking about booby traps you've got the introduction of poisonous blow darts and homing fireballs that are a bitch yeah <laughs> the homing fireballs in hell. Man, uh, what is the name of the map? Let me see if I can find this one. Because this one, I do actually want to mention it by name.
0: Yeah, with the with the fireballs, it definitely uh, reminds me of the the weapons for the uh, the revenants. But uh, the arrows, the the first time I encountered them, I, I and that's why I, I question if they've used the Doom engine or an uh, early version of the Quake engine, because that is that's a booby trap straight out of quake.
1: Oh, that's so So, all right. So dark entries, you start out and there's that small little area. And the minute you step out of that room, these two panels drop from the roof of this large room that you're in. And they just continuously are firing these homing missiles at you, which is nice because it can take out some of the enemies in the room, but you, you back up into that nook to avoid it you wait for those panels to go back up. But if you go back into the room again, they come back down again. So you've either got to run to where you want to go. Or what I found out in my last playthrough of it is that Just if you go in out into that room and you go back and you find cover well, you can either hide in a corner or if you leave that room before those panels start to go back up again, they'll go back up and then you can stay in that room. And I, there's there's a a bear in a hell that you have to fight to leave the level and i found out that if if you stay in that room after those homing missiles are done they won't come back down again unless you leave the room yeah, and come back i
0: just again. stay in the corner myself but those but, uh... things
1: oh well they, they deal massive amounts of damage they will track you like crazy I they, there's only one there's only one other attack in this game that's worse, and we'll get to that. But I <laughs> and and even if you're in that nook, you're not completely safe because if you pop out to see where you're at, if one of those missiles is right there, it'll go into the room and curve around the corner to get you. The the level design you've got six yeah one two three four five, six, seven, eight. You've got eight levels that are UAC based on Phobos. So your tech based levels. And then the remainder of the levels, with the exception of two two secret levels are still at tech base. Hectic is still at a tech base. Outpost Omega is still a tech base. Those are secret levels. And then the rest of them are all levels in hell. You have 32 levels in total. That counts all your story levels. That counts for all your secret levels. Or, it counts for three of the secret levels for the Demon Key. The super secret level to unlock the features menu and the hardcore difficulty. And then what they deem the fun levels. Two, three, four of those. Three with the original game. Four with the re-release. There's quite a bit of levels in here. And when I'm doing research on this game, they're talking about how levels had to be cut because of storage for the cartridge what are you guys smoking you don't need any more levels 32 levels matches what you had in doom 2 you don't need any more than this they've got a really good smorgasbord here of different types of levels between your regular ones your secret ones your fun ones which are only fun if you're a masochist but those, I mean, there's there's plenty in there. Obviously, it's heavily weighted towards the the levels in hell, and apparently this section of hell that you're fighting in is some sort of dark ages renaissance period because it's all castles and gargoyles and yeah, it's just lots yeah. lots of castles. Like in the the, the, like
0: I said, I, I mean, it's it's becoming a theme with what I'm saying. I, I mean, this game reminds me more of Quake. Than do,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the the it, it definitely has that uh, Renaissance section of Quake feel to it, especially those those hell levels. Uh, the secret levels are nice. The super secret level, which you can get from the very first map, is really the only optional secret level. The other three are mandatory secrets. I hate mandatory secrets because those. That, that means they're not secret anymore. You have to do this. If you don't get those three demon keys from those three secret levels, when you get to the absolution and you get to the mother demon, if you don't have those, good friggin luck on that last map. It is so difficult without that. So those are, are mandatory secrets, which to me doesn't really make those secret levels. Those aren't for fun. You have to do those um, and then you've got your fun levels, but a uh, definitely a good uh, group of of different types of levels here we won't go through each one one by one my favorite ones at least out of the out of the tech bases typically I think final outpost is probably one of my favorites you got a lot of fun little traps in there you got a good amount of varied enemy types also with really ex- one small exception there's very little backtracking in this level one thing i don't like about doom 2 is the amount of levels that have a lot of backtracking to them this this game seems a lot more a lot more linear it's open and the and the levels are a little bit bigger but it's definitely a lot more linear you don't have as much going back the same way uh as you did in doom 2 so Uh, Most of the the levels that I find where you kind of go from point A to point B typically tend to be some of my favorite ones. As far as the hell levels, uh, as I'm looking through here, I think my my most favorite level of of the hell levels is map 19, the Spiral. Uh, As I said earlier, I like a lot of ambushes. There are demons galore of various types at various different levels. So you've got this this big cylindrical shaped room and you're going up this staircase along the outside and you're taking down enemies and then you gotta kinda go back down and you gotta take more enemies out their way, and then you gotta go back up again. So there is kind of a lot of back and forth in there, but it's you're you're kind of moving from engagement to engagement within that same room. And I really I really enjoyed that particular map. I think I replayed that a bunch of times during my first playthrough just cuz I had I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh so those those tend to be my two favorite maps. Uh any any favorites that uh, that come to mind for you as far as uh when you did your playthroughs?
0: For me, uh, the terraformer was neat just seeing the uh pistons change the level. I mean, it, it's hard to say how groundbreaking that is when you're looking at it almost uh, twenty four years later, but but back then, it wasn't as as common Later on in the year with uh, with jedi Knight, uh, uh, dark forces Two, you would see uh, something similar to that. but at at that point, I mean that was that was rather uh, different. Um, uh, the uh, other one that I'm thinking of as well is uh, the research uh, lab, I believe it is
1: is 't that the one where it's in the middle of the room and it brings it brings the thing down and you have to go up the stair the staircases to it how about any uh any favorite uh, hell levels uh in terms
0: of hell levels uh I mean even simpler uh, that was a a nice uh nice callback to 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 uh doom two and and was yeah. nicely done yeah. uh but uh, the, the only one uh, that I really in- enjoyed for Hell was the last level of uh, No Escape.
1: Oh, No Escape's a great one. Yeah, yeah. It, I got really frustrated because I wasn't really sure. I, I think that was one of the ones I had to go to YouTube to, to move forward. It was something very simple yeah. that I was missing. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's good, especially on the harder difficulties where you, you end up with two Cyber Demons. Yeah, uh, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of fun.
0: I mean, this this game. A lot of the levels are small. Uh, they're short, and uh, like the only the 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 no escape level. I mean, with the exception of Evil, simpler because it was based off of a Doom level. No escape really was the only one that really kind of had that that doom feeling the the level before the unholy temple is another favorite of mine for for hell uh but that one reminded me a lot more of a quake level than a, a doom level
1: even simpler i i loved that map uh dead simple was a favorite for me for doom 2 even simpler was was even more so and again with the difficulty progression on these, uh, as it gets harder, I felt like it got a lot more fun. This was also the map that brought out the, the poison blow darts for the first time in the game. Uh, so you might have thought you were getting some some supplies fairly simple and easy, uh, only to get to get uh, struck in the ass by a dart. But uh, yeah, great great Doom 2 throwback, a nice uh, nice reimagining. Of of that map and that encounter, and you know, like most of these levels, yeah. the higher the difficulty, the more the more fun they are.
0: Yeah, that that was going to be the other comment that I had. I mean, I, I initially played on the the default difficulty, uh, uh and it just wasn't there. And, and even once you go up to uh, to the higher difficulties, it starts to okay. This this is a bit more, but I think it really shows the age and the type of hardware they were working with, with the, the N64.
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of the, the storage, uh, the storage restrictions that they had as far as, you know, how, and, and honestly, even, even with, with the pallet swap uh, to, to increase the number, the, the enemies are still fairly varied. You have different, uh, Different strategies—they attack you different ways. You have to deal with them different ways. Uh, especially uh, as I'm playing on Watch Me Die, you know, there's specific weapons that you would want to use uh, for different enemies, and then kind of save your ammo and other weapons for other encounters. I—I just—I remember as I'm playing through this, and as I was playing through this game, like I said, I've put—I mean, just in the last couple months, I've put a, a, over 40 hours into the game never once was I like, is this almost over yet? Um, which was a, a nice change from where I was at when I was playing through Doom 2, where I was like, oh my gosh, how much more do I have left? So it, it, was, it was nice to kind of just enjoy the game, enjoy the playthrough, having fun, not really necessarily worrying, are we there yet? Doom 64 was a very fun Gaming experience for me that i really really enjoyed uh, Especially that first playthrough. I really enjoyed it And then we got to uh, the main event Okay, the absolution so much like doom 2 You're you start out you spawn into a room giving you all the ammunition for all the weapons as much as you could possibly want or need as well as a invincibility sphere. And then you go into the actual, we'll we'll call it the arena because it's basically what it is. It's it's your, your last level is an arena shooter. There are three teleporters. And all three teleporters have a key slot next to each of them. And each are the color of the three demon keys that you should have gotten going through the secret levels throughout the course of the campaign. Me, during my first playthrough, not knowing about this, just went through the game from start to finish. So, I have no way to close these portals which spawn a shit ton of demons of various uh, different types at you. I also did not have the upgraded Unmaker to take on... mother of all demons so let's break this down a little bit okay your first encounter is all of these demons teleporting in which on their own isn't necessarily a bad thing i actually had a lot of fun with that encounter because a lot of it is just kind of circle strafing around the room and trying to see how many of those demons that are transporting in how many of them you can get to infight each other which is always really fun to see how how you, that effective that can be so that in and of itself wasn't necessarily bad i didn't mind that i really liked that engagement and fighting all of those different different demons it's when you get to the mother of demons <laughs> where not having those demon keys and not having that updated and fully upgraded unmaker is where the frustration comes in because you are not going to win that fight without it and i don't care what difficulty level it is i've tried it on a few difficulty levels i cannot beat that that enemy with just your standard weapons in the game that includes bfgs that includes plasma rifles rockets doesn't matter that thing is not going down and uh, i know we talked about the homing missiles on this one cannot tell us about the attacks of the mother demon in this game?
0: Well, she will fire two homing missiles that kind of curve around. So she'll fire them to the side so they're not directly at you. And they because they're curving around, they will then lock onto you and chase you around the map. And there is not really anywhere you can hide except behind the teleporters. But because they're curving, there's a good chance that they're gonna curve around the teleporters. So you have to
1: move. And as you're yeah. dodging those projectiles she launches more projectiles at you so even if you do somehow find a way to avoid those first two you're not avoiding the next two and probably not the next two after that oh yeah and by the way while you're doing all of that she also has an attack along the ground of it's like these trails of fire that shoot straight out and at 245 degree angles and if you run over those it actually shoots you up into the air so that if you're going for the soul sphere that spawns in the middle of the map with the mother of demons because you're going to need it um, you'll actually jump over it and then by the time you turn around and realize you didn't get it, you're dead yeah, uh,
0: this this level, this enemy I don't know what they were thinking It, uh like I said I, I'm at loss of words, it's it's, it's, but the thing is, when I did my initial playthrough on this, mind you, I didn't finish it. I have the still have my Nintendo 64 and this game. Uh, I can tell you, playing on N64 controller is painful. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know we commented about. Uh, just a few minutes ago about the difficulties and how with the lower difficulty, you know what the N64 is quite a handicap. I mean, it's like you've uh, essentially got a crowbar taken to your knee, and uh, and someone else is kicking the cane out from your other hand. So they uh, this this was not good. Uh, and then when I went to the uh, the Xbox uh, and played it there and it's like oh i can get all the achievements as well and kill this guy out of my backlog and it was uh a little bit easier because now you've got the two uh, analog sticks but this enemy it's just i i don't know like, like it's really like they they amped up a difficulty factor if you were playing on an n64
1: what so i i'm all for the the if you're going to do a boss, a game with a boss battle, if you're going to have a final boss, I'm totally fine with making it difficult, but the problem with this particular fight, just, just not even necessarily, uh, I'll, I'll let you talk more about the controls, but just, just in the standpoint of the engagement itself, it's, it's either two ways. Okay. It's either way too hard because you didn't get, the three demon keys that you needed to make your primary weapon strong enough to fight her. Or the other part is, okay, I, I did a replay. I got all three demon keys from all three mandatory secret levels. I upgraded this thing to be the beast that it's supposed to be. And then the fight is too easy. Like all you have to do is just hold the trigger down. Once she spawns in with that unmaker, and in, Five six seven shots. She's dead So there's no balance there and I think that's really where where they lost This this boss battle is that it's either way too hard or it's way too easy There's no balance in there To Okay. I didn't get all the the demon keys that I need but if I've got if I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and I'm and I use the right weaponry. I could still pull it off with a little bit of luck or you know, not so easy that okay, I've got this thing completely upgraded, but it still needs to be a fight. And I really think that they they lost that balance with this, and it's unfortunate because the the previous twenty four to five six twenty seven, the previous twenty seven levels are a lot of fun, and then this one, uh, this uh, twenty eight map twenty eight, the absolution, it's it's really, I I, I it's just not a very It's not a good finale to what the previous levels was and and the amount of entertainment and fun that you had in the previous ones. It really kind of ends the game on a downer. Either way, it either ends it on a downer because you get so frustrated that this is so hard that you don't even finish it, or it's a downer because, man, after all of that, that was way too damn easy. And there's not that satisfying feeling of beating the game in this boss battle with it.
0: When uh, I will discuss the the lost levels, I, I I think the the level design that they they had for fighting. Well, I know they they gave it a different name uh, for the enemy, uh, the the Resurrector versus uh, the Mother Demon, but uh, the level design made the the battle a little bit more um, palatable in the lost levels.
1: You you talked a little bit about the controller it. it... Talk to me about that Nintendo sixty four controller. And what were some of the drawbacks? Uh, uh, I know you mentioned the Xbox having the dual analog sticks helped. What what was the problem with just the one analog stick? Especially when you know Doom sixty four, you don't have free free roam aiming. You you still have you still have a fixed uh, yeah. screen. You don't get to look up and down. So what what's what's still hampering you with with a Nintendo sixty four controller?
0: Played uh, with the. The default controllers because I, I just played a couple of levels because I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll do this on the on the Xbox, uh, probably in, in part just because I mean, the N64 doesn't have HDMI, so I had to to go to an older TV. Um, the one the center joystick and the the Z button that's underneath obviously you walk. The bumpers are your your strafe. Your left bumper strafe left, strafe right. So right there, I mean that's a completely different muscle memory than a lot of, of gamers are, are, are used to now. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it, it was a lot of that movement and trying to, to get the, the fine tuning um, on the N64. I also have the port for Quake and I don't want to say it's a port of, of the game because it's completely different, but also the, the N64 version of Quake 2. So uh, that. Those ones when I was playing Quake, uh, I, I moved the left um, digital pad to have my strafe and then uh, move forward, move back, and it was a little bit more similar to say a, a keyboard and mouse setup. But uh, this this one, it was very clumsy. Now you can go in and, and assign what buttons you want, and I, I could have done that, but I'm like, you know, you know what? I've got the the feel for for this, and. Uh, and uh because i played quake and quake 2 uh prior the the this game I, I got a few years after i had my n64 and moved on to the xbox so i didn't play as much of this game uh, i had the the feel but uh, i i knew how those ones once played and it was still very there's a lot to say i i mean people always comment about mouse and keyboard okay cuz obviously if you're using um WSD, you've got your walk forward, walk back, strafe left, strafe right, and your mouse. You're you're moving around to, to aim. Uh, I, I mean, with the analog, okay, you get far better precision control for your, your um, walking and, and and strafing compared to uh, a keyboard. But of course, obviously, the mouse aiming is in a league of its own compared to uh, what you get with a thumbstick. But the, this this was uh, the initial default layout. They don't
1: work. And, and honestly, I, I'm playing the Steam version, so I am playing mouse and keyboard. And I remember I did, and, and to a lesser extent, but still uh, an extent, I needed to change because the default had your interact with, with objects, opening doors and such was E. And so I, I changed that to the spacebar because that matches Doom and, and Doom 2. And then I have, also had to change the run. the shift key it was assigned something else Uh, so it was just some weird some weird initial settings and the nice thing was being able to map it and and the gameplay itself not being too far off you know it's pretty much almost identical to the two doom games those quick changes and you're right back into it all the muscle memories there um i was very just curious i i didn't do a lot of nintendo 64 i didn't own a nintendo 64 um i know i My gamer card, I will submit to you until I have earned it back again. Um, But uh, I I didn't have a whole lot of experience with that, but I do remember, because I I believe that was really the first controller with the joystick that I could remember using um, and just how different it was. And whenever I could, I think, even when I did play Nintendo 64 games, I I defaulted to the D-pad as much as I possibly could.
0: Yeah, uh, the N64... uh... It has its place in in history, but obviously, it was not as uh, popular as the predecessors with the NES and the the, the Super Nintendo. Um, the mm-hmm. controller is very unique. I mean, you look at afterwards. Uh, okay, PlayStation originally did not have the those analog sticks on on, on the Dual Shock. They they came out with them short shortly after. And PlayStation has maintained the Xbox controller. Okay, Duke aside, but the controller S from the original Xbox on have been fairly similar with the exception of the controller S having a black and white instead of the two bumpers. Uh, mm-hmm. And there, there's been a linearity. Nintendo with the, the N64 controller, it was just something completely different and I you'll never see a control like that again.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I really did enjoy my playthrough of this game even with that, that last level. Um once once I did some some searching on YouTube and found out the three lost levels. So you got outpost omega which you access from holding area which is map four the lair which you access from map twelve altar of and in the void which I think was actually probably my favorite of those three mandatory secret levels That's the one where it's kind of foggy and you kind of you kind of go through these teleporters and to get to the next pot And then you go walking down and then you go through a teleporter I just I kind of like the ambiance of that entire level that was definitely one of my favorites of the secret levels in the void you get from map 18 spawned fear and then when those you obtain those three demon keys, you now have a, a very badass uh, alien laser gun, and absolution becomes far easier because not only are you able to close all the teleporters before they fill up with enemies, uh, but you basically melt uh, the mother of demons uh, fairly quickly as well. At the end of the game, it, it, it's Doom Guy basically decides, uh, I'm destined to continue to go to hell and fight so he says you know what screw it and he decides I'm just gonna stay here and I'm gonna continuously fight demons in hell to protect earth that way end of game or is it the re-release the lost levels so these were part of the uh, re-release of doom 64 as part of a special edition of doom eternal correct
0: yeah, it was part of the, the re-release. So the Doom 64 was a pre-order bonus and, and has since been, moved on to be sold separately. And there is also the limited run games uh, f- edition for physically for uh, the um, a Nintendo Switch and uh, the, the PS5, uh, I or sorry, 4. Uh, and uh those uh, those limited runs come in a box similar to the the uh, N64 release
1: and on Steam you uh, are able to access these levels by I believe it's either beating the game or it is completing map 32 hectic the super secret level it was one or the other uh, was able to unlock the lost levels so you've got six additional levels and the the idea behind this is the Sister Resurrector is pissed off that you killed the Mother Demons, kicks you out of hell, so you kind of have to fight your way back through a tech base, back into hell, and then on final judgment, take out the Sister Resurrector, which is basically just the Mother Demon all over again. Like you said, though, that final battle with Sister, Res- Sister Resurrector is much easier because of the map layout there's far more pillars uh there's a lot more that you can utilize to hide behind to get away from those ridiculously overpowered homing missile attacks
0: yeah uh, the lost levels to i mean obviously these are not done by by Midway it was done by a different company but these levels
1: Night I, dive.
0: I yeah that's that's what it is uh these levels i really enjoyed these levels to to my opinion are are far better than the original doom sixty four levels
1: yeah uh night dive by the way uh also uh the uh, studio responsible for the uh system shock enhanced on steam that i've also played which is cool
0: yeah so these levels are, are similar to a lot of the mods that you'll see for Doom and Doom Two. They increase the the difficulty, the number of enemies, and the level design was very creative. So, but because of how sparse the original Doom sixty four levels were on the the uh, default difficulty. This actually bridged it, made it a lot closer to to how doom and doom two were, were just with a num- larger number of enemies encounters and, and um even uh the level size that maybe because you're no longer limited to uh to a, a nintendo cartridge they they the the mm-hmm. levels they increase the size as well
1: the story behind these uh, lost levels is that it's intended to tie doom 64 to uh doom 2016 and doom eternal. Is there something in, cause I, I you're, you're my resident uh, doom eternal expert. You've played far more doom eternal than I have. Is there something mentioned in either of these games that these levels make sense? Because to me, the, 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 end of doom sixty four proper as is that doom guy stays in hell and then he's brought back in doom twenty sixteen you know by the uAC from hell like th- those mesh up already is there something in these six maps that ties together something mentioned in hmm. either of those games
0: no i I mean even the lost level the first level plant ops. You're back on Earth, or I'll I'll mm-hmm. expand it because it doesn't really say. And just how the games are somewhere in our solar system. <laughs> so you, yep. like, there really isn't much. I uh, I mean, you're staying in Hell. This game continues. You're still, with the exception of the first level, you're still in Hell. You take out the the Resurrector, and, and you're still in Hell. Uh, and and there's nothing really if you go into Doom. 2016 or doom eternal and the, and the codex there that uh, reference anything to, to here. So uh, it, it's the lost levels. I mean, it's similar to how the previous doom games are. I mean, very loose on plot.
1: Well, it, it, it just kind of comes off as then, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this and you know what? We'll add some extra levels for shits and giggles. We'll say that it connects to the story, but it's it, it doesn't really okay. That's that's what I thought. I felt like the end of Doom sixty four as was made sense for then Doom twenty sixteen because when I played when I first played Doom twenty sixteen I hadn't played any of the other games before, and so when it's like oh yeah they pulled Doom guy out of hell I was like D- I thought Doom guy was human from Earth is I is this a reboot is it a soft reboot. So I was almost kind of confused as far as what was going on. But after playing through doom 64, I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Then it was like, Oh, and then the lost levels tie this story together. It's like, how does it tie it any more together than the end of the game as is? And obviously it doesn't, it was just a way to get some pre-orders out there. So,
0: yeah. And I I think this kind of goes into probably what we're going to discuss next. the, The legacy of this game is mm-hmm. there wasn't much of one initially. I mean, this game, because it was on the, the Nintendo 64 and only on the Nintendo 64, kind of was passed over. I mean, this was the black sheep for Doom. Uh, I mean, until really Doom 2016, and it kind of ties some of the lore in with, the ending of of doom 64 and now it's kind of doom 3 the black sheep but this is the original black sheep of the franchise for original games and um they there is a fan there there are fans there is ports and and remakes of uh, uh, on uh, uh on uh the PC uh absolution retribution those are a couple that come off the top of, top of my head um I, I i mostly remember um uh absolution just because i did try to get it uh back in in the um early 2000s there's obviously fans there was a demand for it and when it did 2016 they kind of tied it Back in there, and we can discuss about Doom Three in the next episode. I won't go into too much much there, uh, but uh, like I said, this this was definitely a unique game. It definitely has its place, but uh, it really wasn't until Doom 2016 where people started to read into the codex that you would find, and it's like, hey, Doom 64, are you stayed in hell and all that it's kind of like is this the same guy And who was apparently the same marine from Doom and Doom 2 and Final Doom so it really started to open up the lore and because of that it started to be like oh okay there's more to this and it's like okay can we get, can we get, can we get oh here we're coming out with Doom Eternal and you know what we're granting you wish. Here's Doom 64. If you didn't have a Nintendo 64, you can now
1: play it. All right, so we'll take it now to the aftermath. And so Doom 64, developed by Midway Games, uh, Night Dive Studios doing the re-release for uh, Doom Eternal and Steam. Uh, publisher, Midway Games, uh, obviously Bethesda Softworks for the re-release. Your head programmer, Aaron Seeler from Midway. Uh, composer, Aubrey Hodges. Utilizing idtech One and then the Keck Engine for the re-releases, initially released March thirty first, nineteen ninety seven, on Microsoft Windows, Xbox One, PlayStation Four, Nintendo Switch, on March twentieth of twenty twenty. Uh, overall, the game, as far as reviewed, was uh generally favorably reviewed. It actually holds a seventy five out of a hundred out of Metacritic, which I I know in this day and age if a game doesn't have a 90 the the general public considers it to be an absolute friggin failure but I think that's console war bullshit that kind of talks with that uh, uh, most of the reviews state that it's you know uh, it's a faithful recreation of Doom on a console uh and and honestly any of the detractions from it uh tended to be on It's just another Doom game, much like uh, Doom 2 was seen as an expansion pack of Doom uh, by a lot of games media. A lot of games media kind of criticized Doom 64 as really not doing anything creative or uh, revolutionary with the first person shooter genre uh, on the console. The other parts that might have uh, worked against Doom 64 as far as popularity are two major things. One being the uh, Nintendo 64 shooter Turok Dinosaur Hunter had already released. Turok had True 3D. It had Polygon 3D uh, enemies and uh, and AI. And it also had free roam shooting. Uh, things that doom 64 did not have Uh, the other issue that really hurt doom 64 in the long run and why it's probably not as fondly remembered is the lack of deathmatch which is crazy considering that the Nintendo 64 console has four controller ports on the console how do you not take advantage of that
0: yeah, that always questioned myself. I mean, especially since uh, the other game that would uh, eventually dominate uh, the N64 for first person shooters was GoldenEye, which is more renowned for its multiplayer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Uh, so (laughs) Doom 64 did not utilize the multiplayer aspect and the reason given by Aaron Steeler and Midway was that they did not feel that people would utilize the Deathmatch on the console with a four-player split screen. They felt that Deathmatch was so competitive and that the players were so competitive that none of them would want to have people screen cheat while they were playing. So they just dumped it entirely. That's the answer they give. The and the true answer to that, in my opinion, or what I feel, is they ran out of time and then they didn't incorporate it. There was no reason not to. Uh as you said, Goldeneye, which would come out a couple months, I think a month or two later, uh is seen as like the quintessential first-person shooter from the nintendo 64 uh, a very important game in first-person shooters being on consoles and yeah not because of the campaign because all the campaign did was follow the movie ish uh it's it's remembered for its four-player uh <laughs> death matches and uh going after trying to get the golden gun don't uh, want everybody wanted the golden gun uh-huh and everybody wanted to be odd job, and then they brought in characters from all of the games. And personally, really unfort and unfortunately for Doom Sixty Four, because Doom Sixty Four looked better than Goldeneye. I Goldeneye's characters, those polygons and <laughs> those characters looks atrocious right now. Um, I think if you had put Doom Sixty Four next to Goldeneye, Doom Sixty Four would have looked a lot better. Uh, But I think the lack of the death match, the lack of uh, free, free view shooting or aiming really kind of hurt that at the time. And I think as time has kind of gone by, kind of like you said, it's looked at far more favorably now than it did, uh, especially by Doom fans at the time. And yeah, I think it's, it's status as black sheep of the franchise uh, has been replaced uh, and it's in a far more loving state in the community uh, than it was when it released.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean, the N64. This came out roughly within the first year of the Nintendo 64 launch. Let's let's say because in North America and, and probably Japan as well, because there was a, an offset. And, um, so this is within the first year of the N64. So obviously. Not as many people are, are are playing. I mean, like there's obviously the band, but console launches aren't like they are today, where uh well, excluding scalpers, but they're sold out right away in such a huge frenzied demand compared to how it was then. I mean, there there was the band, but it's not the feeding frenzy that it is today. And the other thing as well, like I said, There was a huge difference between PC and console, especially in the 90s, where it's far closer now today than it was then. And you had Quake release, which blew everyone's minds, and would soon be followed up in later in 97 with Quake 2. So uh, I mean, some people, while obviously, yes, we love it. we love doom we love quake but i mean people are like oh you know what quake is is now the game and there's a second game coming out so it's it, it definitely is easy to to see why it was overlooked and um uh although uh if you're looking for, for the cartridges, uh, I mean, Doom 64 is obviously uh, very much in demand, but uh, the uh, compared to say the Quake cartridges now, uh, the only game that I could think of that might be a bit more in demand, just a bit more scarce, would be the uh, N64 port of Hexen
1: following uh, Doom 64. So, Midway, this would be their only foray into Doom uh as they would kind of focus on some of their other in in-house projects from that point on obviously Mortal Kombat pr- probably be the most recognized franchise from Midway uh among a few others uh unfortunately for Midway in 2009 uh they would uh get a takeover bid from Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment they would actually sell off the San Diego studio the ones that made Doom 64 to uh, I believe it's E H uh, Q, purchased the San Diego studio, uh, and then Midway itself would close in 2009, becoming Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. And then you have NetherRealm Studios, which now does Mortal Kombat. So, uh, unfortunately for Midway, Midway was another one of those studios there for a while in the mid uh, mid to late 90s. Was one of those those studios that Star was burning really bright. Everybody wanted a piece of them as well. So uh, unfortunately, that, that flickered out uh, in the uh, late 2000s. Well,
0: actually, this, this team would, that did do the Doom 64 would do the Quake port as well for the original Quake game, uh, which was uh, a faithful uh, port of, of Quake minus the uh, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails uh, soundtrack.
1: Well, they already had plenty of practice with uh, replicating Quake with Doom 64, so it seems like it's only a natural fit for them. Uh, as far as uh, id Software at this time, they are they are working on Quake, or they'd be working on Quake 2 at this point uh, in time 97.
0: In June of 96, and Quake 2 was released, I think, November of
1: 97. They're head over heels into into quake 2 at this point uh at, also at this point uh, working on quake 2 uh id software would be without john romero american mcgee sandy peterson all of those uh people would have left by then leaving john Carmack as the only original id founder left uh at id software moving on and eventually the team would come back they would revisit Doom, and per their stipulation with Midway, it would come back as Doom 3, and that will be our next podcast. Canuck, what did you think of this uh, Doom 64 episode?
0: It's uh, an interlude, but it's a very interesting interlude, I would say, in the franchise.
1: Absolutely. I mean, definitely a, a, a spin-off game, but one that has... You know, as a result of of the you know, Doom Twenty Sixteen and Doom Eternal has kind of been brought into kind of the main canon of the franchise. So and honestly, I I had a really enjoyable time playing this game. Uh I, I remember I'd asked you in our Discord, I was like, Is it sacrilege that I actually enjoy Doom sixty four more than Doom and Doom Two? And you said yes. However, uh I at least stand by the statement that I have enjoyed this playthrough far more than I did Doom Two. Uh, it's right there with, with doom one. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen them utilize the, the rock, uh, soundtrack in the background that, that seems to be kind of your quintessential doom, uh, atmosphere for a game. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I respect the, uh, the, the attempt at going a different route. And as we'll see with the next game, uh, they kind of took that and went a little bit further with it. But, uh, all in all, enjoyable game. I definitely recommend it uh, if people haven't played it, or if you've played it in the past when you were a kid when it first came out and you didn't like it. Uh, I I highly recommend giving it another go uh, with a a new set of of older, more mature eyes uh, and see if uh, if it takes to you uh, as well as it did for us. So that uh, that will be it for our Doom sixty four episode and uh we will go ahead and we'll end it here so i have been your host i am tasman and my awesome co-host knucklehead thanks for joining me again Knuck. appreciate it thank you very much and we will see you guys on the next episode for doom 3.